Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon again after the blistering start to a premiership season and uh, all sorts of other rugby to talk about, which we will do. Um, we will do in the rugby dungeon. Uh, I will be. I'm Tim. That's JB. Hello, Tim. Uh, so let's recap where Phil is right now. Um, I don't actually know. This came out of the blue to me. He just said he's gone to a cottage with no running water. And no electricity. Did he say no electricity? Yeah, he said. So Phil is in deepest, darkest Devon somewhere. It sounds like the start of, um, you know, a man is wronged and then he sets up his camp in an abandoned cottage somewhere, which he has on the sly in case this happens, full of weapons and whatnot. <laughs> uh, and you, then halfway That's through it. the film, you realise he's ex-special forces. Phil's a prepper. Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me. Phil knows that, that something's happening. The end of the world is coming. Yeah, the end is nigh. Anyway, yeah, he's in a cottage in Devon. I, I, I mean, I'm presuming with his family and not just with his... Uh, arsenal of weapons and tin, <laughs> yeah, yeah. tinned food exactly uh, and it, it, there is no mains there is no running water there is no plump sewage I've, no I've, 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 I've been to Devon it's not that it's not oh. that remote it's not like it's North Wales or something no, it's weird anyway there was a lot and it doesn't have any signal either so uh, we are going to fill the void however with a special guest very soon uh, who will bring the required amount of considered thought and expertise that you always get from Phil. Don't worry about that. We're not going to leave you hanging on that front. Exactly. So, the Premiership's back. I know, it's good, isn't it? It's so nice. It's so nice. Just having something to look forward to on Friday. I was driving to uh, Wigan this weekend, and Tok H were playing. We won a third game. The third game on the bounce, just saying. But I just love these rugby weekends. I love them so much. Nights are drawing in. I've forgotten how much I loved rugby and how much I love the Premiership in particular. There's just so much drama. Every weekend there's so much drama. Yeah. And given we've got the now effectively ring fence league, mm. I there was an ele- there was a point about half an hour into the game on Friday night between Bristol and Saracens where I thought, no, 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 no. If we're going to have ring fence league, let's, let's not have this, lads. And... I suppose let, let, let's start there because... Go on, I'm was, interested. It, Where are you going with this? It was quite a negative spectacle. I mean, oh, actually, I, I'd say overall, the rugby this weekend, I'm not being negative at all. I'm delighted it's back and it was brilliant and there was some great rugby and some really good tries. And But that wasn't... Bristol weren't Bristol. Bristol, right, okay. So, uh, 
I'm ho- I'm heartbroken that you'd say this. <laughs> I thought this was absolutely absolutely awesome. What an opener! Yeah, it's great. So you've got the team which consider themselves to be wronged through um, the medium of the Dyson report and all the rest of it. They've returned. All of their players are back from one-year deals away in Japan and Wales and wherever they've gone. They're still not the force they are. And they're shorn of all of their, in- their internationals. Meanwhile, on the other side, you've got the perennial underachievers, Bristol. And they are going to come out firing because of what happened to them last year in a historic semi-final when they mm. threw away a lead. And that was last year was their title. If it's going to happen, it was their title. They've also announced, just on a side issue, Pat Lamb's got a new five-year deal. I am convinced... More, this is... more than five years, isn't it? It's, it's 2028. Oh, it, is it? It runs out. Oh, maybe I it think. is more than five years then. I understood it's five years, but maybe it runs out in 2028. It might be a five-year extension. Oh, could well be, yeah. Maybe. Well, I might have read it wrong. It might have been said 2026 20, and I've just, I just need glasses. But... Hear me now, believe me later. This is the zenith of Pat Lamb. This is like the height of Rome. Yes, it'll go on for a, a, you know, a long time more, and it might even be successful, but this is uh, this is the absolute pinnacle of his career right now. He is at the height of his powers. So not winning last year is a problem. He better win this year, and I tell you what, judged on this performance, I don't think they will. I think they have... I don't think they've been found out because they've got too much class for that. But what Saracens did to them this weekend was absolutely brutal. Um, you've got to credit Saracens massively as well. Oh, absolutely. Just, it was brilliant because I mean, if you look at the names that Saracens didn't have. Yeah. All of the Lions guys, uh, some big names, and they came to play. And I looked through their team sheet. I was like, this is Bristol by 10. All day long, this is Bristol by 10. And the opening 10 minutes suggested as well, Bristol by 10. And I think the... <laughs> The arrow to the heart for Bristol was that Billy Vinopola turnover right in the corner. And then I think Bristol just realised this is a fight. This is a fight. And for some unknown reason, this is a big problem that Bristol have. I I can't really put my finger on why they do it. But when they're in real difficulty, they seem to mimic the team they're facing. So when they're just open and free-flowing, they play like Bristol. But when they come up against it, I'll give you an example. Sale. They played Sale and they tried to beat up Sale. Who do you think you're kidding? You can't do it. They came up against uh, Harlequins. They started to play open, uh, unstructured rugby like Harlequins do. Can't do it. And they tried to outkick and outsystem Saracens. What were they thinking? They've got a huge strategic problem, I think. That is, I'm just sort of thinking, is it, that must be by design. They They must be executing the game plan. Pat Lamb never says on occasions like this, we got the game plan completely wrong, does he? No. I, I don't know what happens to them. I, I wonder if it's like they want to prove a point of some yeah, sort. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is it? A, a, oh, definitely the sale game. 100%. They went out there thinking they're going to beat up sale and then we're going to show them how to play physical rugby. And they got hammered for it. Mm. Which, yeah, that's not... And that isn't the kind of mindset of a champion team either. No. Like Rob Baxter, you know, yeah, albeit they didn't win this last time and they didn't look great... Uh, by their standards at the weekend, but they've been to six Premiership finals in a row, uh, won a couple of them, and the big part of that is they play the way they play and nothing changes. And exactly. They, they all stay on script. Yeah. Uh, Bristol will be fine. They'll finish in the top four. And anyone finishing in the top four, as Harlequins showed last year, it's a complete lottery. Once you're there, it is a lottery. Uh, because, you, you know, matchups, whatever happens on the day, so on and so forth. 
So they will get there. I do have big questions about their mentality, even after one week. But this is not really after week one. This is after the semi-finals. And I think they're going to be shaken by this. I would be shaken by it. Mm. I've missed some of those Saracens guys. I've missed Nick Tompkins and... Miss Billy. Billy Miss was Billy. immense. He was, he was immense. You know, people compare, don't they, Nathan Hughes to Billy. And Nathan Hughes is a very, very good rugby player. They're not comparable. They're just not comparable. I mean, they might look similar in stature and weight and height and, you know, the occasional physical play. But Billy just grows into the game. Well, yeah, because it's only a few percent. And it it seems to have taken Nathan Hughes from an absolute wrecking ball, just a couple of percent off. And he's much less effective. Yeah, I think he goes missing, you know. I think once you match him physically, he started that game looking like the England number eight. Mm. And then Billy finished it absolutely nailed on as the England number eight. Mm. That's how I saw that going down. Well, the weekend in general, I mean, our predictions all over the shop. <laughs> Terrible. Got them all wrong. They were dreadful. But we... I take that as a positive for the Premiership. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I guess we could talk a little bit more about the positives of the Premiership. I am going to be talk, talk about the negatives. And they're not, well, not to do with the rugby per se. But there are a few things that on opening weekend... We just don't need to be talking about this sort of stuff. So, number one is, on the opening weekend, do you think it's right that there are players missing? I know the Lions need a rest. I don't know how you square the circle. Maybe you give them a rest later on in the season or whatnot. Opening weekend, every team should be stacked. We should have Mario out there. We should have uh, Faz out there. We should have absolutely everyone for for opening weekend. Now, the crowd has showed up anyway because they've missed rugby as much as we have. But... I just don't think it's a good look. It's not something we should be considering. We should just want to see the very best team that every single club can field on opening weekend. What happens in a World Cup year generally? The World Cup tends to be in that September yeah. window, doesn't it? And they and they miss and players they miss the there. Start there. So that's that's basically and if you, so a Lions year and a World Cup year, that's fifty percent of seasons the top the best players yeah. miss the start. And I just think it's one of these examples of the premiership not getting its house in order. This is probably your biggest weekend uh, outside of the finals or playoffs. This is it. And anyone who, and again, you can debate, you can debate the number of people that were turned on to rugby by that Lions series uh, in South Africa, mm. arguably few, very few. But if anyone was, and if anyone did discover rugby and ha- had a newfound enthusiasm, you're right. You want to see Sam Simmons and Marcus Smith yeah. and Owen Farrell. And the, the the names that they will be familiar with from the biggest rugby moment since the World Cup. So I wasn't aware of this, but apparently the Lions players make it pretty transparent as to who can play and who can't. So I think Sam Simmons can play before, say, Courtney Laws can play. Yeah. Because of the amount of time that they spent on the field and whatnot. So that would mean that I think Marcus Smith can come back sooner rather than later. Yes. Um, I, I don't know where you find this information, but I've been told it is around. Hmm. That it, yeah, that will be interesting. It's, it's a good point because, and when you think about World Cup years as well, in terms of marketing the sport, and again, this is jumping back to last week and the talk about the World Twelves. This is why uh, quality, not quantity, is the way to grow the sport. And you know, right now there's NFL games going on, JB, which which we have not watched for eight years now because of this. <laughs> <laughs> or nine podcast. years or whatever it is. I always I have it on a series record. I never go back and watch no, it. No, I don't either. I want to. I really want to watch the NFL, but I just don't have the time. 
I support New York Jets, so I'm not bothered about watching the. the That's NFL. Ten, ten years running. You've not been you've not been bothered about watching it since Mark Sanchez played. <laughs> what a playboy he was! <laughs> what a boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so the ne- negative. So that that's a negative. Uh, I, I'll take I'll take that. And I, that's that's an interesting point. Is there a way? But then you have a block of Premiership games, and then all of a sudden you have got Europe. Yep. And then it's it's just another meat grinder of a season. You have got autumn internationals coming up. Well, I'll give you another ne- another negative. I'll give you another two. Uh, it took until opening weekend for Channel Five to announce that they don't have Premiership highlights. Uh, I've tried to watch Sale Sharks now on the BT Sport app. Maybe it's available on the Prem Rugby site, I don't know. But I always watch my highlights on BT Sport. Sale Sharks is is not there. There is no um, highlight show anymore on Channel 5. So you don't get the uh, spectacle of Durders and Flatman every single weekend, which is a really good show. It's a really good, If you're a casual rugby fan, that is a cracking show. So where do we watch the where well where do normal people what um, watch the games? I don't think there's a free to air game this year. Did you ever did you watch the Channel Five highlights? Did you used to watch it? I did actually. Um, yeah. Not always, not right. always because of course we're doing this. It jumped around the schedule a little bit. It did, and it was it was quite often put quite late but at night. At least it was there. I mean, it was there, yeah. And Agreed. you can watch it on Catcher. You can watch it on Catcher. You're right. You know, it was a it's a good show. Why opening weekend? I mean, opening weekend it takes for the Premiership to decide it's not going to have a a, um, terrestrial TV partner. Madness. And this organisation... When you say you took for opening weekend to find out... It was announced this weekend. Oh, it was only announced that they weren't doing it. Yeah, this weekend there was... Oh, by the way, there'll be no highlight show. What? That is madness. Yeah. Uh, And this what? what, Yeah, rather than that, you... and, And again, you don't... It's like when you're... Managing upwards to your boss, or you're trying to speak to a customer, you go with solutions, not problems. You go, by the way, if you want to catch the highlights, you can find them here at this time because yeah. they will be available at PremiershipRugby.com on a on a Monday from eleven a.m. Whatever it is, actually say what the solution is, not just say we don't have this. Yeah, that's very rugby. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'll tell you something else. Very, very, very rugby. What are we on like six months now since Darren Childs. Got fired, or whatever it was that happened to him. Walked away, couldn't couldn't stomach it. Whatever happened to him, happened. Still no CEO. So whoever's made this decision not to have a terrestrial partner for um, rugby is madness. I don't know if it's a CVC decision. Don't know if it's the commercial director that's done this. I don't know. But you know, come on, guys, it's opening weekend and you've not got it sorted. It kind of ties in with the wrangling that apparently is going on between S4C and Amazon over. Welsh language coverage of the Autumn Internationals that they're saying no. Oh, they? No, you're not having it. I mean, you, you know how that might go down in Wales. I, I, I don't really know. It'll go down great. Wow. Well, no, absolutely not. Crikey. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, that broadcasting giant uh, S4C will have to wave its uh, immense power, I guess. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I think I'll leave the negatives from there because I don't think anyone has downloaded this podcast to listen to me moan about the manichae of the, uh, well, the runnings of Premiership Rugby. I was, uh, just again, on a positive and on rugby in general, after watching Friday night, watching the, the uh, Leicester Exeter game on Saturday afternoon and ke- coming home and watching uh, Newcastle Harlequins, I did that after going to mini rugby. And it's just great to be around rugby clubs again 
I absolutely love it. It was Trafford Metrovic we went to. Oh, did you? And the Broughton Park boys, they're the local rivals. Yeah. That, they went unbeaten last year and... Uh, you know, I've, I've started dabbling with a little bit of coaching. I'm taking no credit. Oh, the here we go. The Broughton Park boys uh, pulled off a, a fine win today in a little pre-season run out. Oh, nice. What was the score? It was good. Oh, we, we, it was it was like a training. It was a training game of five tries to four. But ah. it was good. It was good. Uh, but, but it was just, I'm just saying, real positive. Just being around a rugby club that's full of people and it, the sun was out, so there were people, but just people getting bacon bombs and cups of coffee and parents and uh, it was just I, I love rugby clubs I, I might start going to one on a Saturday if I'm yeah, about yeah there you go um, Trafford Metrovic's famous for who exactly Steve Diamond correct mm-hmm. so that was uh, yeah that, that was his original club uh, a nice club as well a nicely, nicely situated nice nice little walk there yeah, it's good can, isn't it you can walk over the little bank from the from the River Mersey mm. yeah it's nice no it's just I, I loved being around a rugby club again and uh, yeah my weekend was was just all rugby. So did you play again? Of course I played. Yeah. Of course I played. We went with a, not a scratch 15, but a, a 15 shorn of a few players. We had to call up four lads on debut and they were all absolutely brilliant. So, and, and that is the sort of game which I love because you get to give lads a chance. You get to see what they can do when uh, the first team need them. And yeah, it was it, genuinely, it might have been one of the best games that I've been involved with for the past, for the past five, five, six years. That's high praise indeed. Yeah. Lovely yeah. job. Now, I, I just just checking in how we're getting on with uh, with a special guest. Uh, not ready the, just yet, but I'll let you know when he is. The fill replacement, the, fi- the fill fill in. Yes. All right. The well, fill in. The, the fill in, yeah. yeah. Well, while we're waiting, let, let's talk about um, one of the other big games of the weekend, um, one of the other live games. And Exeter Chiefs go into Leicester Tigers, which I think... Did you predict Tigers to win, or did we all predict Chiefs to win this one? Anyway, whatever the case, I got it very much wrong, and Tigers were awesome. They were, weren't they? I mean, I knew... Well, I didn't know. I thought they were going to be good good this year. I really did. Uh, I think this sort of <laughs> has validated that opinion. They were very good towards the back end of last year. Uh, I thought George Ford was absolutely awesome. So good. Uh, the, his short passing game is absolutely brilliant. But they've now got in um, oh, the centre. Dan Kelly. Dan Kelly. They've now got in Dan Kelly. a, prop, Sa- a Sales Dan Kelly. A proper talent coming through. And um, Freddie Stewart as well. They've... they've got just When you look down the spine of that Leicester team, again, you've got, you've got a solid centre... Rock solid fullback, a majestic fly half, really experienced scrum half. You've one of a number of gnarly South African number eights. Workhorses in the second row. You've got real talent in the front row now. It just you're right. It looks a really, really good team. Yeah. Now uh, it's not just the uh, centre Dan Kelly that, that's from that's from Sale. Do you notice that Nick Dolly started? Yeah, I did. Which is awesome because he has been around the houses for a few years now. I mean, I think when he first broke into onto scene at Sale, he didn't really have many first team, if any, first team appearances. Maybe a handful, but he was expected to be the next international. He's expected to be the, ne- the next big thing. In fact, one of the reasons that they allowed Tommy Taylor to go was because they thought between him and Cam Neald, they've got it covered. And for whatever reason, it is didn't quite work out. Went to Jersey, finds himself at Tigers, getting a start, and looked really, really assured. He he really did, uh, and. Yeah, it's very much a team in Steve Borthwick's mould and, and uh, with Kevin Simfield as well. Although, right, 
So at one point, um, Leicester were doing quite well, and they cut to a shot of Kevin Simfield in the in the stand, and uh, Ali Eakin, who was on comms, revealed that the key addition of Kevin Sinfield is... Northern Grip. Ooh, no, good. Actually, no, it wasn't that. It's more obvious than that. Def- defence coach stuff. What's he added? Wolves. <laughs> Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Tigers, that'd be a good one. Yeah. Uh, no, line speed. Wow. What, what, hang on. Or in French, what's that? Speed de la ligne. <laughs> <gasps> uh, how, how much does that cost? A fair bit of money. And, well, fair play, whatever he's doing uh, before, whoever was doing Kevin Sinfield's job obviously wasn't doing the obvious. Should have just said line speed. It's line speed, boys. It's always line speed. Ever in doubt, line speed. Well, fair play to Kevin Sinfield, because I don't think they would have got that without him. Uh, yeah, On a positive point, Leicester Tigers, and I always say it because Borthwick says it, um, breakdown, defence, and set-piece, all were good. Their attack particularly in the 22, was spot on. Absolutely spot on. They ripped Exeter to pieces. Yeah, and in in commentary, the guys were kind of saying, oh, it feels like Leicester are opening up. Maybe we're seeing a new side of it. And then they spoke to Brett Deacon after about half an hour, after Leicester had scored a couple of really good tries. And they said, so, you know, have you changed things up? Have you expanded your attack? And Brett Deacon said, no. All that's happened is we've had much better ball because we're winning the collisions. And so we're playing how we would play, how we want to play. We just had better ball to do it. Yeah, and I said it earlier, but George Ford was magnificent. And sometimes it takes a game like this to remind, to remind you exactly how good he is. And you know, his, the way he looks off the long pass, and it's classic rugby league because that's obviously his background, but he just looks off the pass, delays that short pop, and it creates so much space for everyone else around him. Yeah. I mean, he's really... It, it, was, when, it, was, it was a Marcus-esque, Marcus Smith-esque performance. I think he does that even better than Marcus <laughs> Smith. Would you believe it? Yeah. What George Ford does, he is the best at what he does. So, Marcus Smith is the most important player for Tigers, and arguably, George Ford is the most important player for Harlequins. Although Tommy Allen looks all right. Oh, yeah. Um, in, uh, in today's game? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, anyone at Leicester Tigers... Who's going to go to the England squad? Because it's announced on Tuesday. Freddie Stewart. Freddie Stewart, I agree. Definitely. I don't think Kelly will. Um, what does he bring? I mean, he's very good around the breakdown. I know that much. He's a solid operator. Oh, he's solid, yeah. He's, he's definitely one for the future. But um, I think it would... Uh, George St- Martin? Stewart, probably George Martin still. Um just be, I'm only saying that not not because that's what I would select, but that's because what what I think Eddie would will pick. Dan Cole. Dan Cole, Dan was, Cole was really good. <laughs> Dan Cole was absolutely ace. I'm going to say no, but Dan no. Cole was was excellent. I think that's possibly it. I'm thinking. I'm. Bell I'm, Ben Youngs will be there. Oh, right? George, uh, George Ford, Freddie Stewart, Ben Youngs will still be there. Yeah. But if 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 Ford goes, Smith can't go as well, can he? Hmm. Interesting. How do you square the circle there? Yeah. Well, yes, he can still go. Smith can still go and will because he needs to. Remember, he he kept just the two fly halves when Owen Farrell was a legit 10. I think Owen Farrell will be 12 now or will will, will be considered more so as a 12. Has to be, doesn't he? Just to get your best players in the squad. Yeah. And so that that helps. And also... Marcus Smith is a, is a very different type of character to when Eddie Smith didn't have sippers as a third choice. Ten. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones, sorry. 
uh, Eddie Jones didn't have Danny Cipriani as a third choice ten when he had mm. when he had the option, and that that raised eyebrows. But actually, I think that Marcus Smith's a different type of guy, and Marcus Smith wouldn't rock the boat if he if he wasn't picked. So, do you want to know something interesting about Leicester Tigers? Always. Apparently, it's getting very intense there. Very, very intense. And good, from, good intense. That's a great question. Because I, I don't know whether that's good or bad. I, I think it's a double-edged sword. So, as I understand it, there is a Monday morning meeting. There's not. Um, there is. Uh, Borthwick is doing Borthwick things, and he he is an intense man, and he's pushing very, very hard. Some guys, I think, are starting to crack un- under the pressure. But it looks like other guys are starting to thrive. And here is my thought on that, which is when you're in a salary cap, you can't just go out and buy the best players. So you need something else, don't you? You need some sort of culture, esprit de corps, something like that. And if the thing which Borthwick is looking for are super intense individuals that can handle that pressure, that might be a great screening method. Uh, to make sure that's how he builds his team, and you can see it with other teams. They have, uh, you know, ex- extra chiefs have uh, Rob Baxter's movement patterns, or there's a certain culture that runs through Bristol. Uh, say, like you know, physically dominant guys. Yeah, and that might that might be the thing which they hold on to going forward. Yeah, that's quite. And if you think about the military, for example, that's how you whittle down a load of poten- potential green berets down to the absolute elite. Exactly, exactly. And you know, if that's the mindset, the mindset might be more important than the physical ability. But if you had a, l- a bunch of boys that want to work that hard, you've got a hell of a team. So I'm looking forward to seeing, I mean, it, oh, the alternative to that is everyone cracks and you know, there's splintering and yada, 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 which is not good. But you know, we said last week when we're going through who would be good and who, won't, who wouldn't be, I think we were all unanimous on Leicester Tiger's been very good. Yeah, they're they've got an identity, and all a lot of their fundamentals are there. And the the way that Borthwick has turned over a lot of players, yeah, but now has a really talented core. Yeah, it's like the Premier League is better when Manchester United's good. The NFL is better when the Raiders are good. Premier Rugby is better when Leicester Tigers are good, and I hope that Leicester Tigers are good. As for Exeter, Rob Baxter wasn't getting carried away nor should he I don't think they were not up to their normal standards they are missing a few key players they were a bit rusty Rob Rob Baxter said he thinks it might be they were undercooked deliberately well obviously he wanted them to be better but they were undercooked they didn't play as many pre-season games as they normally would because he was conscious that they'd had a couple of very big years and so I think he's quite comfortable building slowly within the season which is quite a brave and bold thing to do but if there's one man I would trust to know how to arrive at the right part of the season in the right place. Yeah, I'm not. It'd be t- Rob Baxter. I'm not telling Rob Baxter how to run his team. So, yeah, if that's what he thinks, um, it's good enough for me. Uh, yeah, you suddenly saw though when when there's no Ewers, Skinner, Vermeulen, Simmons, Johnny Hill. Like, but I still thought they could win. A back five in the scrum. Oh, they could. They, yeah, they, still they, they, they could team Yeah, okay, Hepburn, ace. Um, I mean, Inard started, but, you know, Yendel is club captain, came off came off the bench. Bloody good player. Um, Harry Williams is an England England international. And Exeter had loads of chances and they didn't convert. No, and, and, a lot- and it'll be interesting when we talk, I won't, I'll give a clue about, should we say who our special guest is? Yeah, go on. JP Doyle. 
J- JP Dawn, of the, course. The legendary, the, the, our favourite ref. Uh, we will um, would be interesting to ask JP Doyle about one of the law variations, which is that if you're held up over the line, it's a dropout from under the post rather than a five-metre scrum. Because uh, Exeter, I don't know how and to what extent that affected how effective they were at what Exeter do so well. Yeah. Um, did you see the drop goal the other, the other day? Hmm? There's a drop goal the other day. I was in the French leagues, I'm sure. And... The dropout was uh, not the dropout. How on, where, where does the dropout occur from behind the goal line? Yeah, under the sticks, like rugby league. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. So the dropout occurred, uh, which of course is perfect range for someone to drop to, to drop goal it back, which is of course what they did. <laughs> Three points immediately. Love it. So Franz Stein is going to be filling his boots. Oh, I'd not thought of that. Yeah, absolutely. So they'll be go- they'll be kicking left or right rather than straight. They better be because uh, otherwise they're just going to pump it back over back over the posts. Interesting. I mean, that would be the ultimate um, di- disappointment, wouldn't it? If we if we've done this law of variation, so we get rid of the scrum. By the way, we, we shouldn't be doing that, but yeah, we have. And then Franz Stein just batters it. Yeah, he, he, he extends his career by five years. Yeah, it is going it is going to remove one of your favourite parts of rugby, the five meter scrum. Yes, I think that's a, a travesty because the five meter scrum from repeated pressure is a wonderful sight. I don't understand why you, I, you know, I can kind of get behind the fifty twenty two or whatever it is. That's sort of interesting. This isn't. I think it's a really dull bit of thinking, but it is what it is. Well, we'll get onto the law variations and stuff in a little bit. As for Exeter, I'm not, I'm not, not too concerned. I think Leicester were right to identify that. One of the reasons they were able to attack so well, and they did do it really well and took their chances brilliantly, is because they were winning the collisions. I think from Exeter's point of view, those five names that I mentioned, you suddenly put them in your team, you'll win more of the collisions. But Leicester Tigers, yeah, they've sent out a little warning shot to everyone. I think they have. I think they have. And Welford Road's going to be full again. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Another unpredictable, uh, well, another result I didn't predict was Worcester Warriors. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I thought, I said about them last week, if they're going to win, it's going to be in these first three games. <laughs> you did say that. That, that, that. I mean, it happens every year because they'll be full, uh, fully fit, fully firing. They'll have almost all their new signings. I don't think I don't think Van der Merwe can, can play, but everyone else can play. Uh, and they look strong. You know, Venter's, Venter's a good player. Um, Lawrence is a good player I mean they're really good players and then they've got the premiership class of both Willie Hines and Owen Williams and this isn't actually a new pairing it's an existing pairing they've just basically brought it over from Gloucester so they're in they're in good shape they've also added this David Duke fella uh, I've not seen the game because well hold on what, isn't David David Duke when you said that name it suddenly rang some bells about some like controversial figure in America. Hang on, just like it's kind of white supremacist. Christ, is that <laughs> Christ? Am I just said the white supremacist rather than the actual um, like yeah, you, KKK or something? Yeah, you're absolutely right. He is the leader of the KKK. David. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad I've checked that out. Anyway, if that is Christ, I hope I'm right. Hmm. Craig David. What the hell is this guy's name? Craig David. Is that what you're saying? Craig David. Craig David. Craig David is on the staff at Worcester, pumping them up with pre-match tunes. Hang on. I'm, oh my word. Um, <laughs> no, you're not deleting this out of the podcast. This oh is great. God. No, it's not. I saw good. you reaching for the computer, about to go. Oh, hit pause. Who? 
I'm sure his name's Duke. Duke David? Craig, Craig. Oh, no, David Duke's a basketball player. As I said. He's in the NBA. Well, look, they've got a new fitness coach. I'm sure his name is David Duke. No, we can't. No, surely not. Anyway. <laughs> Whoever the Worcester conditioning coach is. Oh, no. I feel, I, feel, I feel worse for him than I do for me. No, you don't need to worry about that. Well, nobody knows who the Worcester conditioning coach is except for a handful of people. And now we put this on a podcast and everyone's going to think of the Worcester conditioning coach as a white supremacist now, which he's not. No. Well, whoever it is, well done to the Worcester conditioning coach because he's obviously got him into great shape. I think was the point you were making. That's exactly the point that I, exactly one hundred percent the point that, that I was making. He is a huge part of what Jonathan Thomas is, is going to do, and if they're going to be successful, they're going to need him to uh, be well. They're going to need him to perform the role that people like Adam. I'm not going to say any more names. I was going to say, <laughs> I, was going to say I was going to name the the old conditioning coach for uh, Wales. I'm not going to do it in case in case I get it wrong. <laughs> but the old conditioning coach for Wales, uh, Paul Stridgen, Paul Stridgen, Paul Stridgen. Yeah, was there an Adam Beard? Or is that the Adam second, Beard's the, the second row? But is there also a Beard who is the conditioning? I, 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 I look, I'm, I'm a mess. My head's gone. My head's gone. <laughs> he want that's what Jonathan Thomas wants. He wants that 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 uh, that role, and it looks like they've done okay. Yes, and so you know, fair play to Worcester, and e- equally. London Irish, um, not not a great start for them. Well, they scored their points, and that's kind of what I thought they would do: is score points. I didn't expect them to concede thirty six, though. Yeah, that, that is a, that is a concern. Yeah, it's a massive concern. I I think they'll come good. I think they will be top four contenders, uh, but maybe not this week. They're going to be good, you know. They're going to be really at really home. Good. They're going to be a match for anyone. It's the most expensive squad in the Premiership. What? It's the most expensive squad in the Premiership. Surely not. It is. I mean, I'm no. not saying it's a. I didn't say it's the best value, but it's the most expensive. No, I'm not having that. Like market, like you including Marquis players in that because well, they've only got one of them, Sir Charles and Semi. Well, that's two Marquis, so you can only have one now, unless you can grandfather them in. But I mean, what was the rumored uh, salary of one of those second rows? Nine hundred thousand pounds per year. It's quite a lot, isn't it? It's quite that, a lot. That is quite a lot. That's. that's uh, I'm just doing quick maths. It's about 18% of your entire salary cap <laughs> yeah. on one guy. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Sean O'Brien's cheap. I'm sure Paddy Jackson's cheap. I'm sure they're all cheap. <laughs> they're really, really cheap, right? No. So, allegedly, it's the most expensive squad, or one of the most expensive squads. Oh, in, I can in, believe it's right up there, yeah. They'll, the they'll be spending every penny they can. Yeah. But yeah, you're absolutely right. D- disappointing. It kind of plays into what I think of them, which is they can score a lot, but they need to sort out you know, the the conceding the conceding of of these points. It was their problem all all towards the end of last year, and it goes back to something which uh, Pat Lamb said uh, about his Bristol team, which is he focuses on. I mean, other, certain coaches do it certain ways, but this is the way Pat Lamb d- does it, and I assume that this is exactly what Declan Kidney was doing, which is you focus on one a- area of your game, and as you get better, the bit you left behind slowly catches up. So Bristol's focused on their sh- uh, attacking shape and scoring the tries, and then eventually the defence caught up. I thought that London Irish would be going through a similar sort of process, but we're only one game in, so don't worry, they're still making top four London Irish fans. Yeah, agreed. Now, here's one question for you. Who would win in a cage fight between Joe Marler and Carl Ferns? Oh, Carl Ferns. No, wouldn't even be close. Oh, did it happen today? 
Well, the, the two of them squared up, and uh, the, there was. I mean, it never got to anything more than handbags because it never does uh, within put, a rugby game anymore. But it put him in a bin. But I, when they were squaring up, and you know, I just thought that is a matchup I want to see. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know who won this. I got to half time, then then had to leave. So who won? Harlequins won. Uh, what was the score? Comfortably in the end. Uh, well, they won by um, nine points, in, in, or uh, I can't remember, but uh, more than a score. Uh, in the end, but uh, Newcastle gave a good account of themselves. Harlequins did Harlequins, Quinsy things, and Tommaso Allen did it in his way, but very much still in the mould of Marcus Smith. That's a really good signing, that. It's a bloody good win. It's this. a really good signing and, and a good win. Newcastle, Adam Radwan with the England coach, a couple of England coaches, Cockers was there, and Matt Proudfoot was there. And Adam Radwan looked absolutely electric. Do you think Proudfoot or Cockers actually even knows who Radwan is? Do, do, do you think that? Do you think Radwan's skill set comes across their desk and oh yeah, that that's interesting? No, they weren't there to watch him. Were they? they were not there to watch. It. I'd no. love, to, I'd love to listen to a conversation between between those two though, because I've I've spoke to Proudfoot at, at the AJ Bell, and he is a proper rugby geek in the best way. Like he will talk rugby with anyone. In fact, he spoke rugby with me. That's how much he likes. Uh, rugby, I've in, I've interviewed cockers, no uh, no nonsense, but very very astute. Listening to those two talk about rugby would be phenomenal. I'd love to sit next to the two of them and having a natter. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they just uh, ignored uh, ignored Radwan. I bet they're more interested in the in the Ferns Marla square off. Yeah, hundred percent. I think Marla was the one they would have been there to what, see more than anyone. I'm I was trying trying to go through the packs and think who else would they be looking at? Kenningham as well. And Don Brandt. Yeah, there's a fair few. Uh, what, what, did uh, they... It's not Dave Wilson. <laughs> uh, my, my, my head's completely gone. My, my, I've, Name, I, names today. I, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. <laughs> the prop. Is that what you're thinking of? No, definitely yeah. not Dave Wilson, the prop. Although that is the name that is coming out. Uh, the bloody captain. The guy that was at sale. The England seven. The, ho- the hardest man in rugby. King of the North. Oh, Mark Wilson. Mark Wilson. Yeah, I don't think he was playing. Was he not? Uh, I'm trying to think now. No, I don't think he... Will Welch. Callum Chick? Callum Chick wasn't playing, so or didn't start at least, so wasn't playing, I don't think. so. They, but yeah, anyway. The, the, Adam Radwan, look, is just ridiculous. The guy's a freak. Mm, completely agree. Uh, Harlequins picked up where they left off. You know, they'll get, they'll get better. Newcastle looked decent. It was a good game. Yeah, uh, enjoyed it. I didn't see any of Sale Sharks. I have looked high and low for this, except for the Premiership website. I don't know if it could. It might be on there. I saw Rafi Quirk again, it, it, very much like Adam Radwan. The explosivity of Rafi Quirk is brilliant. He's a good player. I, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. Faf is amazing, but now you've got Rafi Quirk I think you could better spend half a million pounds well said this is exactly my thinking um, you know, it's not that you don't want Faf to no work. of course but we're in a, we've got finite resources yeah and you know, Faf is well paid and I think he's got a deal with Adidas maybe something like that so he's obviously well paid he's got a deal with Adidas everyone at sale loves him and actually you know, it was probably the signing of Faf which launched Sale into this new new era. Absolutely. That said, I would not mind seeing that money redistributed elsewhere and strength, after strength this season. Like, if if Faf brings them the title this season, off you go. 
get, get to France. Thanks very much. You're a club legend. And uh, yeah, we've got Rafi Quirk now. Who, how much better will Rafi Quirk be for having <laughs> emerged with Faf de Klerk mm-hmm. as his mentor? And I'm certain that Sale are now focusing on in, um, on English talent. I'm absolutely certain that this is... I mean, I've not heard it officially, but I'm pretty sure that that is the direction direction that they're going. Not seen this game. Uh, I thought they would lose to Bath. I thought they'd come out cold. Uh, did they win, win by one point in the one end? Point, 20 points to 19, and Orlando... Bailey Bailey missed a kick at the mi- end. Missed a kick at the end, which could have won it. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. If, if he'd have got that kick, basically the get... It, I'm imagining it's the game that I had imagined on Friday. <laughs> but I don't know, because I can't watch it. And there's no Channel 5 highlights. And it's not on the BT Sport website, which is ridiculous. Uh, well, one thing I will say, and if you have BT Sport, my recommendation would be to always record, whether you watch it or not, uh, live, record the Sunday programme. Mm-hmm. Because the, the hour build-up to the, the Sunday game, they go through all the highlights of the matches. Perfect. Now, did you see the biggest rugby event of the weekend? Uh, Australia beating South Africa again? Incorrect. That was good, by the way. Corabetti again was doing Corabetti things. More eyes on a rugby player than any any other event this was it, weekend. Was it um, that outrageous Argentina try against New Zealand? No. Albeit they lost. No. What, what, what was the big rugby, the most watched, most viewed, most talked about rugby event of the weekend? Ugo kicking goals at Twickenham for Strictly Come Dancing. I didn't see that. Yeah, well, this is Ugo's first week of Strictly. Yeah. So uh, my my daughter and my niece love Strictly Come Dancing. They love it. So I had to watch. I think pre- he was on last. So I watched two hours of, Stri- of Strictly Come Dancing yesterday just to get 10 minutes of Ugo. Uh, he's pretty good, you know. He, he's pretty good. I don't think he's going to win. But I think... Why, we, why don't you think he's going to win? Because he's with... Uh, OT. OT, who's won it the last two years. She's a monster. She's a, she's a legit monster. Um, she, uh, why? Because... Okay. So, you've got the same-sex cu- uh, cu- cu- couple dancing. They've got to be hot favourites. They've, 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 they've just got to be, right? Um, you've also got a couple of other contestants who just move incredibly well. And, you know, Hugo can move. But I just I feel there's stronger couples out there. That, okay. And, and I, I also think that we should make this into, like, a feature every week. How is Hugo doing on Strictly? Okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't want the responsibility to watch it, so maybe you could do that on, on Saturday nights. I'll do that. Um, yeah. Perfect. I'll take that on. Yeah, because actually, more people will be watching Hugo on Strictly Come Dancing than... Probably ever watch them in the Six Nations. I need a name for that feature, though. I need I need to come up with a name for that feature. I'll, I'm getting thinking. Mon- Show, Show me, me the Monier. Monier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect. Oh, that reminds me actually, Guy Courage, which is such a good name. Uh, emailed us contactedchasers at gmail dot com with some suggestions for the league names for the for the season. He said uh, the. The Pro 14 slash United Rugby Championship Hobby League. You've, I can't do better than that, lads. It sums it up perfectly. The Japan Top League, you should call it the Pay Gap Lead. Mm-hmm. Good, nice. Um, players are either Haruto from accounts getting uh, getting paid a pittance or Bowden Barrett getting paid a small fortune. <laughs> I like that. MLR, the Rugby Relics Pension Top-Up League. Love it. Um, tier 1 players in the twilight of their careers but still have something to offer on the pitch. We'll uh, find out uh, about that later. Oh, yeah, we can ask JP Doyle about that. Good good shout. Uh, top 14, the Infinity Attrition League. 
Nice. <laughs> I like that. And the super, uh, super Rugby, the Farmers and Islanders League. Farmers. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, Gallagher Premiership, uh, the Mustard Chino Bureaucracy League. Nice. Perfect, in fact. That is lovely. And uh, European Rugby Cup, the Big Money Beer Trophy. Uh, yeah, good. Yeah, take I'll it. take that. Take it. Um, and he said uh, a notable mention to the Spanish División de Honor with uh, no branding required. What a wonderful place to watch because uh, um, guy is in Spain. In Spain, oh, that's pretty cool. Very um, cool. Have, have we covered off all the pre- all the Premier games? Um, just just lost to Northampton. Lost to Northampton. Yes, right. We haven't touched on that. Can I say first thing I want to say about, uh, about Northampton is. One of the things we were talking about, or in fact, two of the people we talked about last week or, or when we previewed the season with Northampton was a couple of the young players that really burst on the scene a couple of years ago and were looking great and then had a big dip last year. Mm. James Grayson, yep. George Furbank, both looked great at the week, yesterday and I, that was great to see. Yeah, and uh, it's not... I don't know what Gloucester are thinking at the, at the moment or what shape their, their team is in or if this is a full-time move. Eyebrows were raised when I saw Ben Morgan at second row. Yes. I think they're trying to get someone to do the job that Ed Slater does for them. But we've talked about this how many times over the last couple of years. We've gone, do you really want to sign another winger? Have you not seen exactly your lot right. situation? Yeah, second rows are worth their weight in gold. And I think you know, Gloucester are going to find out this the hard way. Ben Morgan's a cracking player. He's not a second row. Uh, he's not a second row. Then they're, they're not they're not easy easy to find. Uh, have they got some sort of injury crisis at the moment? Well, I, if Ed Slater was fit, he'd be playing, surely. Garvey? Um, so they've got Garvey, Alamano, Alex, Slater. Got Craig, Alex Craig, is it? Yep. Um, you know, to be going to Ben Morgan... On the first game of the season after everyone's rested, alarm bells should be ringing, big time. Yeah, and we've yeah, as I say, we've talked about it many times. If if there was one area of your of your squad you want to you you felt you could improvise, I'd rather shift a fullback on the wing. Yes, absolutely. Than a back row to lock, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to not have enough resources in that position. Yeah, so uh, just. Disappointing for, well, it's a disappointing selection. Maybe it's not. Maybe this is a long-term solution that Gloucester Gloucester are are looking at. But uh, yeah, uh, they're going to be in for a long season. I feel. Yeah, well, I think I had them eleventh in my um, oh twelfth. I had them ahead of Wasps, and, and I was going to say, how do Wasps go? But we don't know. Because we don't they, know yet. They've got a day off. They've had to sit and watch. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there were some other rugby dramas this weekend. Did you I, see? Yeah, I, I, when you were, I, one of the things that popped into my head and where I thought you were going when you were saying the, the big rugby moment of the weekend being Strictly, I thought you were going to talk about the tackle in the top 14. That, Is it even the top 14? I don't even know where this tackle occurred. Uh, it was cast. Was it? Uh, yeah, a, a tackle by, what was the player? Rhino. Um, uh, ri- <laughs> yeah, r- Rhino. Peters, Rhino Peters, uh, Rhino Peters from Cast, and so this was uh, Premier Sports posted a clip of it on on Twitter. Uh, that place for reasoned, well thought out, um, nuanced discussion. Yeah, and they said you were, and ab- they said an absolutely shocking tackle from Cast Cast uh, Cast's Rhino Peters Peters. You won't see many more straightforward red cards than this one. They posted a, a clip online, which uh, 
seems like the vast majority of people completely agreed with that um, sentiment, um, including Nigel Owens, MBE, who said, I never get involved in sightings or length of band conversations. Except for popular ones. <laughs> Except for ones that lots of people are talking about. Uh, but this was as <laughs> obvious a red card as you will see, and well done, Roman. But it, okay. No TMO lengthy conversations, but it has to now be followed by a very, very lengthy ban. Right. right. So... Uh, here's where uh, here's where I stand when you watch that tackle for the first time you're like yeah, yeah. that is pretty reddish isn't yeah, it please go and watch it if you haven't seen it yeah you, you you need to see it it's a red card all day long it's high it's late it's reckless it's at least shoulder to head if not head on head um, yada 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 that's what you think of initially because of how f- fast it happens and how violent it is um, oh, it is incredibly violent. It's vicious. It's it got malice and intensity. Brutal. Um, but then you start breaking it down. And you go, right, okay, so you know, there's something wrong here. There's definitely something wrong. But it's not high. So when you look at it, it's not high. You think, okay, well, you know, it's chest level. Yeah, can I, can I describe the tackle just in case you're yeah, listening and you haven't seen it? Um, so a player from, is it Bordeaux? I think it's Bordeaux. Player from Bordeaux uh, is the scrum half is standing back, kind of in a fullback position. He fields a ball and and goes to kick it back up the field, playing a little bit of kick tennis. Rhino Peters is chasing and trying to hit the nine before he kicks it. As the nine kicks it, or momentarily afterwards, Rhino Peters dives <laughs> in midair. And absolutely cleans him out. Yeah. Now, this would not bother me. Uh, you know, tackles in the top 14 don't bother me, except for the, rea- the reaction that, that it got. Um, now, if you watch the tackle again, it's not high. So if you, atta- if you just judged it by the high tackle framework, you would come to the conclusion that there is no, of- no offence committed here because he hits perfectly at chest height. What what about um, well I think the thing that people look at that tackle and assume that it's egregious and awful is because I, I don't think anyone could watch the replays and think oh that was high I think people will go oh no actually he was he was legal yeah so it must have been a shoulder charge right it must be the jump the jumping into it and a and it, yeah it must be it must have like shoulder charge no arms absolutely nope. not he completely wraps so the the arms and this is the incredible thing the arms are wrapped so it's low. Low enough, at least. They've got a wrap. Now, here's the next part. Now, I disagree with Phil on this quite a lot. And he says it's out of control because control means you could means that you could stop. So if the ball is already moved, I guess, and I'm speaking for Phil, he can talk for himself when he, when he returns, but I guess he would say, and it's a reasonable point, that he was out of control because if someone in control could have stopped when when that ball went. But on the other hand, I've seen lots of examples of when the ball has been shipped on and the ref goes, committed. Can you think of a, a, a tackle like that in recent history, Tim? Maybe Courtney Laws? Oh, yeah. Courtney Laws on Pleason, who was refed by who? Nigel Owens. Yes. So that can't possibly be... That can't possibly be the case. And when you actually look at it, the, the time between... Kick at the moment he kicks, the guy is initiating the tackle. Yes, 
It's not the latest one I've ever seen. No, it's not the latest one you've ever seen. No. But fine, you might say it's late, but late tackles yeah. occasionally happen. I don't think that's a red card late tackle. So, no, so he's low enough. He's low enough. He wraps his he arms. Wraps, and that tells me he's in control. If you've wrapped your arms, you're in control. I, well, I don't know how else you... People are looking at it, are thinking, and assuming that someone jumping and diving into him is illegal. Not, not a law. There is no law that says you cannot jump into a tackle. As in, as the tackler. As the tackler. There is a law to say you can't do it as the yeah. ball carrier. And this is what Nigel Owens is saying, right? So Nigel Owens is saying on his tweet, oh, you can't just launch, launch like that. I'm thinking, well, I think you can. I, because I, it doesn't say in the laws you can't jump in this plane, that plane, or, or the other. Yeah, far be it from me to wade in and pretend I know better than one of the world's best ever referees. I think Nigel Owens is totally wrong on this. He's utterly, utterly wrong. And the worst thing is, he has this appeal to authority, and you know he's wrong, and I know he's wrong, because he actually asked me how... He says, I don't know where you, you, know, where you ref. Like, it matters. I'm, I'm smart enough to, re- to read the rules. Well, that's like, laws. Pe- that's like people who read um, official data at the moment, tell, say what the data says, and then go, oh... You're not a virologist. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he's wrong. So what laws must he be referring to? So there's 9.11, which I think is, is dangerous play. And I can't get my head around dangerous play because it just says dangerous play. Now, I understand... Oh, I love the fact we've got JP Doyle coming on in exactly. a minute. Oh, we'll, brilliant. We will be asking him these questions. So dangerous play, to me, it doesn't make sense. Relatively dangerous play would, uh, would make sense. Or dangerous play after a... Um, infringement infraction has has been committed but just dangerous play what what does that even mean i mean this year alone in this calendar year alone i've seen someone with a broken um broken tib and fib and i've also seen someone dislocate their shoulder rugby is dangerous it's a dangerous that law is completely inappropriate it's appropriate if you've already infringed but as you you and i've just discussed there is no there is no infringement he's in control he's wrapped his arms there is no law saying that saying that you can't jump into a tackle um he's the, o- the only debate there is was is he, it late is it late yeah is it late now if you want to say it's late with force i'm, I'm with you. You, you you can give it a red if that's what you want to do i don't think that's why the majority of people are looking at that and thinking well and again this is nigel owens saying it deserves a very very lengthy ban on what basis? On what basis? Um, yeah. Justify what you're saying. You can't launch yourself like that. Well, actually, yes, you can. Yeah, and he's he's pulled up two laws which don't, are not really applicable to this because the dangerous tackle law says is uh, includes high but not includes but is not excluded. Sorry, includes but is not exclusive to high tackles. Well, there's nothing. There's nothing more to it. And you know, I have got a bunch of players on my on my WhatsApp who would basically agreeing like yeah it, there is there is nothing nothing to see here now there is also the outcome based part of refing which is you know i smash into you i'm bigger than you for instance and then you're concussed um and the outcome you then might look for something i've so, talked to, i've talked about it before with um faf, faf the clerk I've, he a few times he's put in high shots made contact with the head of like a, a Twenty-one stone, tighted prop. Nothing no one happens. cares. No one cares. Yeah, when you go. But here's the outcome of it: the scrum half's okay. So what? So what? Nigel Owens is actually talking about is he's not comfortable with things that don't look don't look good for camera. Uh, and I can completely appreciate where he's coming from here because if there's one thing he's 
also exceptional at if it's not just just refing it's playing up to cameras so he knows exactly what he's looking for but that's it and if i look at the people who are also talking about this uh, incident i mean the head of the premiership bloody comms doesn't know the laws laws of his own game and it's so frustrating because people think they legitimately think that being off your feet in a tackle is a law it is not a law if you think it's a law well, no, it's not fair to say you don't know the game because everyone commenting on this post knows the game. The fault is probably with the game for having laws which are not fit for purpose, so it should be either relatively dangerous or there should be a law written down saying, I don't know, something... Ab- there needs to be a law if you think that... Well, if you think that that tackle is unacceptable, there needs to be a law to outlaw it. I think the people that are upset with that tackle would have been upset with that tackle if the nine didn't kick and had the ball in his hands when he was hit. Now, that is a great question, right? So what would the call be if the nine kept the ball? I think there would be a lot of people saying that's unacceptable, it should be a red card. I think they would go, that is the best hit I've ever seen. I, I'd be saying that. I think I'd be saying that. Uh, no, well, I'd be saying it's the second best hit I've ever seen after our uh, friend of the pod, Courtney Laws, exactly. uh, hit on, please on. Yeah, yeah, second best. But yeah, but that's a very similar situation. Nigel Owens ref that and said, play on. Uh, because I guess it was popular at the time, and now this one isn't popular, so you know he will he will go whichever way the wind blows. Which is why he's a great ref because you know he gives the people what they want. He's certainly given me some of the best games that I've ever seen, but he's just plain wrong. Um, uh, the people that wind me up the most, though, the people that wind me up the most, are the people that bothered replying to my tweet with "you're fishing" or "you're being contrarian f- for the sake of it." The fact of the matter is. Uh, they think that because they are sucked into the monoculture of Twitter. They're incapable of thinking them thinking themselves. They're just stale-minded morons. But it is it is what it is. I love not being on Twitter, mate. I, I, yeah. I do look I, at it, so I'm, I'm aware of I'm aware of the little. I saw the little video as well. I, I thought, look, if I'm going to get in, get into a, a Twitter spot this weekend, it's going to be with uh, the best ref, the best referee <laughs> on the planet. I'm not wasting my time with second any best ref on the planet. Second best ref. We've got the best planet, ref yeah. on the planet to uh, chat to. I'm not wasting my time with any of these losers except for the second best ref on the planet <laughs> and the head of uh, comms for for Premier Rugby. That that I will do. So I, I guess we should go to our. I, I guess can, can you can you get him just get, get him up dial no, him up then? No, I will send him a text now. Let's go through our predictions for next week. Oh, okay, yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. Yeah, if you you get him the little Zoom code and stuff, and uh, Roger that. We'll get that sorted. So, um, uh, did you watch any of the Super uh, the Rugby Championship? Sorry. Um. No, none of it. No. Okay. I, look, look, I I'm not joking when when I say this. I have been completely switched off from from rugby. Despite doing a podcast once a week about it, I could not care less about any rugby that isn't really Premiership. So the Premiership being back has been all-consuming for me, and it's got its problems, but generally speaking, I absolutely loved it. So, no, I I do not care what is happening in the Uh, Rugby Championship. One thing I I did notice is uh, Gabriel Ibitoy is playing in Israel. He's playing for Tel Aviv Heat. What now? Yeah, He's left um, wherever he was in France. He's been to two clubs in France. Yeah. He's playing for Tel Aviv Heat. He's playing for Tel Aviv Heat. Uh, Dimitri Katrikalis is out there and uh, roped him in. What now? Because they knew each other from Quinns. What on earth? Yeah, I think he's got it in his contract. He's there for a few months, so he's got it in his contract. He can leave if any premiership or French club come in for him. But I imagine that would be fairly firmly written into his contract. Yeah, so... Wow! There you go. The Israeli league will we'll get on that. Um, 
So we, the fixtures we've got for next weekend: Gloucester, Leicester at King's Home on Friday night. Mm, should be a classic. Should actually be. I don't know. Gloucester can't do any worse than they did did this weekend. Um, I am going to say Leicester by three points. I'm going to say Leicester as well by eight, but Leicester. Uh, you also have the start of the United Rugby Championship, not Ultimate Rugby Championship like we yeah. it was last week. Um, and uh, I'm just looking at any of the games on Friday night worth watching. Ulster Glasgow will be decent. Yeah. Um, oh, hang on. Ulster have signed Dwayne Vermaelen. Oh, Dwayne Vermaelen. I know. That's cool. Brilliant. So just on that one, I, I love that Ulster have done that because it reminds me of Leicester Tigers from back in the day. And actually, a few clubs have done this, which is they used to prioritise one position over every other. For some reason, Leicester Tigers always felt that they could get the best deal out of the 12. So Pat Howard, Gibson, um, Herbert went, did he not? Um, Herbert was to replace Howard. They've always... uh, um, Aaron... Uh, Sorry. Aaron Major. Aaron Major. Yeah, they've always gone for high-value 12s. Ulster seem to carry on going for high value eights, high value eights, and high, high or South Africans generally. Yeah, so uh, Dwayne Vermaelen, fair play, yeah. great signing, brilliant. That'd be great. Uh, Saturday morning, by the way, eight oh five a.m. New Zealand, South Africa. I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. I I was interested when I thought South Africa might pa- pound New Zealand. I think New Zealand going to take care of business now. Mm. And Australia, Argentina. Uh, following that so what's good is you've got a full game of rugby you've got New Zealand game uh, New Zealand South Africa at 8 o'clock 11 o'clock Australia Argentina at 1 o'clock your beloved Benetton against the Stormers ooh and uh, and then 4 3pm kickoffs in the Premiership uh, with Bath playing Newcastle prediction there Bath playing Newcastle every part of me wants to say Bath should win this Newcastle no Bath Bath will win that I'll go Bath I'll go Bath Exeter v Northampton Exeter v Exeter. Exeter at home, I think. Quinns v Worcester. At the Stoop? Yeah. Quinns. Quinns. And Wasps v Bristol. Bristol. Uh, yeah, Bristol. Wasps are still missing uh, Launchbury and a couple of other key players. Alfie Barbary's not available. and Yeah, so I'm going to go um Tell you what, Bristol though. As well. I, just going back to Bristol Saracens game. When I saw those two teams, I said, didn't I, straight away, 10-point win for uh, for Bristol. That was wrong. And I had a chat with a good friend of mine who knows his rugby inside out. And we started discussing the two teams. And then it sort of dawned on me that this isn't clear cut, as clear-cut for Bristol as I thought it was because Charles Piertau is clearly the man. But then they're missing so many other fellas. So there was no Afoa, there was no Sinclair, uh, then you realise the the two lads have gone for all... Malins and Earl. Yeah. And you add up all... Uh, there was no Radranda. Don't, don't know where he was. Is he injured? Uh, I assume so. Must must be. Must be. Uh, and then you sort of... You start removing all these star pieces and all you've got are the guys who are the, who are the normal gap fillers for the star pieces surrounded by more gap fillers. And you know, they weren't that good. Mm. On to Sunday uh, and it's... London Irish against Sale at the Brentford Community Stadium. That's, this is a tough game. Uh, I 
from what I've heard about the self-performance, which I didn't, didn't see, it was pretty scrappy. They're going to need to score points to beat London Irish. I don't think they can, they can shut them down. They need to score points. I am going to go with London Irish. I'm going to go with Sale. I can uh, go with Sale, actually. Maybe I will go with Sale. Hang on a minute. What do I, I mean, think? the thing is, you've backed Irish for top four, and you've, also back, backed... you've also backed Sale to win the win the league. Right, Sale. Sale. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I agree it'll be tough, and I think London Irish will be a match for anybody at home. That's uh Great yeah. Sunday viewing that. Yeah, it really is. And also, if you if you do have access to the top fourteen, Toulouse against Claremont on Sunday night. What what time's that? Eight o'clock. No, oh, we'll be working. Yeah, we'll be getting ready for the pod, obviously. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, but yeah, let's get our special guest on. Um, and we, ha- we have been shown on this podcast because of Phil's lack of signal. We've been shown of... Um, a voice of reason. With, a voice of reason. Someone with gravitas and experience and knowledge... Hang on, we we have a special guest. Oh, wonderful! A fi- Hello, JP. How are we doing, lads? Uh, are you well? Can very, you hear me? Yeah, ve- very well, thanks, mate. How are you? Line speed, love a bit of line speed. Oh, we <laughs> all our, love line our speed. Our favourite official, the one of the world's best. <laughs> Formerly, after not after his American adventure. Um, firstly, JP, fill us in on that your, your little sojourn in, in Atlanta and around the states. Um, it's fabulous over there. It's really, it's, um, it's really, a, it's really, a really good league. That's a lot of reallys. It's a fabulous league. Um, with a lot of people trying to do a lot of good out there and you can see it every week. It's, it's physically every week becoming better. And that's, that's, what's really cool about it. It's a really cool league. There's a lot of players out there. There's a lot of new players, but there's a lot of very established players as well. Yeah, it's an interesting way to relaunch a career, actually. I mean, we've seen people go to America before, uh, get a bit of game time and then come back. Don Waldock uh, 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 would be one. And I think there's quite a few Eagles currently playing now in the um, the MLR. Great way to sign off as well. As a, a word on Adam Ashley Cooper, who's announced his retirement. Has and, he? And yep. Yeah, he signed off with the with the champion Guiltinis. Well, yeah, I mean, until they launch a team in Ibiza, in which case they'll all be back again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's, well, he's gone in as as coach, so um, 
he hasn't exactly left LA. He's still having a great time. He, I bet he is as well. When you, what kind of a time did did you sense that Gitto and AAC and, and characters like this that have been there, seen it, and done it? How, how what's what's their experience been from from what you've picked they, up? They 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 had a brilliant time, but they were so competitive. They weren't out there for. Um, can I say shits and giggles? Yeah, they, you know that they, they 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 weren't there for that. They were there to win. They were there to win every second of the, every second every every breakdown. Adam Ashley Cooper was putting himself on the line in every breakdown. He was the most competitive guy over the ball. He was the best guy in attack. He was. They gave it everything. You know, you can say well they went out there into the career, but they they gave everything every minute of the game, which is the best thing that if you ever wanted to know, well, what do you do at the tail end of your career? Look what those guys were doing this year. Look yeah. at the way they were playing. Adam Ashley Cooper was one of the best players in that league by a street because of his commitment to every play, not because of what he could do, but because he went hundred percent at everything. So whatever he'd left in the tank was out there, which was fabulous. So people playing against him loved it and people playing with him loved it. I bet. And I think, I actually do think one of the reasons that lads give it up, professionally this is, is because they can't go hard. And for a lot of them, they don't lose it. And if they can't play as hard as they possibly can, I don't think they're interested. Yeah, no, 100%. There was there was so many guys popping up out there every week, you know, that were from, that must have been, if I exaggerate and say there was 100, there was at least 80 premiership players out there. And then there was another 80 um, NPC boys and then another 100 Australian boys and Zimbabweans and Argentinians and Uruguayans. And it's a fabulous league and it's only going to grow massively. There is no way it can fail. It's really? failure proof. Careful yeah, now. Careful it's, with it's, it's, like that. It's, I can guarantee you it's failure proof. Tell me, does it get a little bit more tasty when, say, Adam Ashley Cooper's on the field but so is Ben Foden, because you know, yeah. they've both, they're both got a bit of a name. But they, there's that kind of wink and like I'm gonna whack, I'm gonna whack you and you're gonna whack me. But there's definitely a a giggle about it. But that's no different than um, when I was lucky enough to referee European Cup games and Dan Carter is playing ten, and there are New Zealanders playing wing forward for the Ospreys or for Glasgow, yeah. and they're whacking Dan Carter and they're giggling on the ground. Wherever you are, it's a holiday and it's a buzz. If you're outside of your bubble, it's you're you're having a great time, and these guys they could fight and have a great time. They could get on and have a great time, but. What was brilliant about this league is you went for beers afterwards. It was sort of old school in its approach after the game. Like you could enjoy yourself and you were in LA or you were in Seattle or Washington or, you know, New Orleans and you were just having the most wonderful time. Like I can't speak highly enough about it without sounding like a sycophant. <laughs> I love it. And, and JP, we had, we've got a bunch of uh, American listeners who've been keeping us in the loop and getting very, being very enthusiastic. And also making it sound like a great place to for us to come over. We, we've had invites extended from all corners. I know you caught up with the guys from the yeah our friends, uh, Warren and Preston, from the American yeah. Rugby Pod. Good lads. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I've just... That's the only drawback for me, is that it happened during a, a window of time when we couldn't come out there and share the spoils and, and enjoy it as well. No, look, look, it's going to be a huge league. It's I, Look, it's not about, is it going to be bigger than the Premiership? No. Is it going to be bigger than the Top 14? No. But that's not what it's about. The MLS, the soccer version, isn't bigger than La Liga or 
um, the EPL or whatever you want to call the different leagues. But the prem, the American professional league will find its own place that's separate to all of that. And there can be a premiership and there can be a top 14 and super rugby and American rugby. You don't need to, no one needs to get upset with each other for saying, well, the premiership this and top 14 that and pro 14 this. It, there is enough there for everybody. There's enough meat on the bone. And it's, it's, Look, there are a lot of guys out there who haven't played much rugby. That's true. But there are a lot of guys out there who are just raising the standards. There are a lot of coaches, Heineken Mayer and Alan Clark and all these guys are out there. There are coaches making their names and getting hired as super rugby coaches, as you've seen this year. Uh, Darren Coleman coming out of the LA Giltinis. There is nothing I can say but a positive about that league. It sounds like I'm lying. It sounds like it's not true and I'm being a PR guy. But... I can only tell you, you know, without being Pinocchio, this is this is how I feel about it. And this is how it went this year. And that was during COVID while things were incredibly difficult. Mm. Uh, now, just changing the subject slightly, did you keep up with the rugby th- uh, uh, this weekend? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, always keep up with all the rugby around everywhere. Because we were just breaking down the Leicester Tigers game. Uh, and I'd love your, uh, t- uh, your two-penneth on uh, how on how you think uh, Tigers went? No, I didn't see... The Tigers was today, so I didn't see Premiership game. I've, I'm, I'm newly moved into Scotland here, so I don't have BT Sports yet. Um, You're so in Scotland? I'm a bit Where are you in Scotland? I'm in Perth. I'm in Perth in Scotland, wow. yeah. Is that, is that a big wholesale family move or a temporary yeah. thing? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Myself and my wife are teaching at a school up here and my daughter's in there. And yeah, so we're just we're just up here in Perth. There was no point staying in uh, if they don't want you in England, what's the point of staying in England, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if your ex girlfriend kicks you out, there's no point staying in her bedroom, is there? You know? So <laughs> just get out of there and go somewhere else and find a new chick. <laughs> oh, okay, well, oh, JP. Well how how's it going so far? The Culture change has settled it. in. How long love have you been it. there? Love it, love it, love it. Absolutely. Um, I'm in a wonderful school, Craig Clown, a little prep school up here. I'm a school teacher by trade. My wife's a school teacher. We're we're happy as we're happy as pigs, pigs in pigs in poop or fishing, fish in a goldfish bowl, you know. So yeah, I, I can only say nice things about it. Up oh, here. that's great to hear. Right. Well, if you've not watched, what not watched Le- uh, Lesser Tigers, then oh, sorry. sorry no, to... I, I can change the subject and uh, just just pick up on one thing JP said. He said there's there's enough rugby to go round. Well, I'm going to correct you actually, JP, and say well, apparently there's there's not enough because we need another tournament, the, the World Twelves. What have you made of that? <laughs> and, and and I would just put in a yeah. word, I, I'll put in a word for JP to to be involved in that. Uh, if well, when that kicks I, did, off. I did. I did the World Tens. Yeah, now, exactly. <laughs> apparently, there's a World Twelves. Um, yeah, I think there's place for everything, and, and creativity should never be stifled. And without creativity, we're nowhere. But I'm just wondering. Um, so they launched this, and from what I read, and I know nothing about anything, as any of my friends will tell you, and anyone who's seen me referee. But I'm not sure whether how many rounds is going to be, what level they're trying to expose players to. Is it pro players? Is it developing players? Is it a chance for players who aren't international to keep playing when all the international boys are away? If it's contracted players, how are they going to get released from a 12-month contract? It's it's a bit trickier than um, it appears to be, but I 
do not have a high enough business degree or that sort of top end knowledge to understand. I've only read the press release and rugby. Look, we all love to play rugby. I'll play fives, fifteens, sevens, tens, twelves. Put me out there, coach. I, I want to be involved, but I'm not sure where uh, the excitement is on this. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure how the excitement. Tim, you're probably better. I'm sure Phil would give. I'm not sure Phil's on the call, but Phil normally gives the pragmatical approach. JB, you normally give the extremist approach, and Tim, you're normally looking for work. So <laughs> I'm not sure where the, the three things collide on this. Yeah. Well, yeah, you absolutely. I'm available. That's all I can say on yeah, that. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah. Phil, Phil, yeah, like, Phil is not available I, for the podcast. Uh, actually, he's he's in a he's in remote Devon in a in a place with no no facilities or no 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 shipping containers. No shipping containers available. Yeah. No. Um. I I, like, I think like it's it's hard to know. Like how do how do you see that being a success? I just want that described to me. I'm I'm not saying it won't be, but I'm just saying what does a success look like? Rugby X came and went for whatever, you know, COVID and ten other thousand reasons. Rugby Sevens is just restarted today in Vancouver. Rugby League is still a big thing. You know, Rugby Tens was kicking off and got cancelled this year. So where does Rugby 12s go? Who Who is it for and, and what are they going to do with it? I don't think they're going to do, it, do anything, JP. I, I can't see any avenue of success for this. That is a really great and fundamental question to ask, though. What does success look like? And yeah, I w- I w- it would be good to have that kind of vision mm. spelled out. And I'm sure the people involved know that, but it would be good to sort of... Uh, Paint that picture. Yeah, I, I can't see a future for it. Which I, you know, I'm not being overly negative for no reason. I just don't see what it does. Well, if it gives you a chance to play more, but if if I have to mark Jar- Charles Pietau in a bigger space, how is that fun for me? You know, if you if you're yeah. asking me to do that, you know. So who are you? Who are you, who are you catering this to? Are you catering it to your national league one guys or your? You know, is England your? If you're launching in England, is it all English players you want to come play in it? If so, is it your Rosalind Park boys or your Ealing boys, or is it your Leicester Tiger boys? It's um, who who are you targeting it at? Correct. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, who is existing who is rugby it? fans or converting new ones? Yeah. Or... Uh, and you know, with the greatest of respect, uh, I you know, I love Ealing. I love Rosalind Park. I think the great clubs. I'm not getting excited that 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 those players are on my TV. Well. You know, I've taken a step back from rugby now, and it's interesting what rugby I'll turn on. Like, I've NFL Red Zone on here, and obviously the Ryder Cup's on next week, and Match of the Day's on. Like, I'm a general rugby consumer now, and, and what are you getting me to watch? Do I want to pay extra to watch Premiership, or do I want to pay? I can't watch Top 14, and, you know, do I have to pay extra to watch the URC? And, you know, where, like, at least with, the ML, the ML, uh, MLR, we, we, we show it for free. Here's the website. Watch it for free, lads. Everybody jump on. Let's have fun with it. Mm. At the moment, everyone's asking me, you know, to pay out. If I paid all my rugby subscriptions for Sky, for Super Rugby, for BT, for Premier Sports, for, you know, on and on and on, whereas um, how much is that costing me to watch rugby? You know, and is that acceptable when most rugby consumers are like me? They have a wife and children and, you know, expenses around themselves. And is, you know, is BT or what, what goes first? Does Sky go first? Does PT go first? Who do I watch? 
Yeah, well, my uh, my J- premise- JP, but I'm just jump in and say yeah. if if you want to get out of the classroom again, uh, CEO at Premiership Rugby. We were just discussing this earlier. <laughs> that job's yeah. still available, and it sounds like you'd be an ideal person. It's open to grab the reins. Yeah. Hey, I can't even keep my my present job as a referee. <laughs> what chance have I got to keep anything else? Mm. No, I I would love to be back involved in rugby, and um, I miss it. I miss it dearly, but I also don't miss it because I can't see it. It's just not visible. Mm. I, I don't see rugby because unless I go out of my way to watch it, it's just not visible anywhere. Yeah, you've got to find rugby. It doesn't find you. Yeah. That's a very good point. Now, uh, before we had you on the line, JP, me and Tim had a robust discussion about a certain tackle in the French League. Now, I'm not going to ask you to comment on that tackle. Uh, I, I believe you've seen it, but I don't want you to comment on, on that tackle. But I would like you to run us through what constitutes a tackle, what is legal and what is not. And I'll fire some questions uh, at, at you as we go along. Yeah, sure, yeah. Don't, don't believe everything I say, but yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, then. So, uh, just... Yeah, what 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 does the what do the laws say about what an actual tackle is? So a tackle you must um, you must wrap and bring the player to the ground. Now there's always been debate over whether it's you know bringing to ground and wrapping and what comes first or whatever. But the idea is you must use your arms in the tackle to complete a wrap, and you must bring the player to ground. Okay, and it must so and from an illegal point of view, it must. The tackle must not be high, late, or dangerous. Uh, right. Okay. High, late, or dangerous. Now, I want to focus on the dangerous part. So, law. Well, we know what high looks like, and we know what late looks like. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I honestly. But, but, but my question to you would be: Do you know what late looks like? Well, actually, well, no. Well, it's, no. It's, it, no. It, context change. It's context specific, and. No, you, there's no hard and fast rules. You know it when so you, you see have, it. You have to you have to leave that with the referee. Don't yeah, you, you leave yeah. that with the referee. But the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I try. I trust the referee to know that when they see it. I, I think so. High is high is something we can delineate. It's something we can be black and white about. It either is high or it isn't. But mm. dangerous has to be in the in the view of the referee, and late has to be in the view of the referee. Yeah. Agreed. So I you know I do understand late, and I'm happy to leave that in the. To the, the the discretion of the referee, because I've seen referees say he was committed. Um, I don't know what difference that makes. Because one of the other criticisms often levelled at a tackler is that the guy wasn't in control, and that's why the bad thing happened. I would argue um, that would apply to a late hit. So if you hit someone late, it's either malicious and you were in control, or you weren't in control because you were quote unquote committed and therefore it becomes reckless does that make sense yeah, you, you've got to be you've got to okay okay so this is we're getting into the weeds here a little bit Love okay it. so yeah this... we, we, we we have to use the correct terminology otherwise we're, we're goosed okay. so you can't use the word hit because that's nothing to do with anything that's that's a that's a nonsense okay. so we have to use you, you can tackle somebody who has the ball and you can tackle them between the shoulders and and the, and the tippy toes Okay, you can't go higher than that and you can't obviously go lower than that. You have to wrap your arms and you have to attempt to bring them to ground um, safely. So any sort of tipping is obviously illegal. Any sort of tackling above the the shoulders, around the neck, whether that's terminology, seatbelt tackle, it's all irrelevant. It's Mm. whether the tackle is on the neck or not. 
Okay, so that is the high. Late is that the player has got rid of the ball and should be allowed freely run and support the the ball carrier who now has the ball or chase the ball if it's been kicked. So you've got to stay away from words like hit and smash and all these words. They're just colloquial coaching terms that that have no place in law. Okay. They, they exist in the game the same way, you know, if you ever watched A Few Good Men, the mess hall, Code Red, all those things, mm. they, they exist in the army, but they don't exist in the army manual. That so is we have to, really we have to stick. We have to stick to what's in the manual, which is our law book, yeah. which so, is you must, not take, you must not tackle someone high, late or dangerous. Okay. The, the the dangerous ones the, the the one that I can't get a handle on and again I'm I, I'm I trust the discretion law nine point eleven I trust the discretion in the interpretation of, of an official and whatever the referee says is is what it is on on the field and accept it and move on but I don't I, I can get a handle on late we can debate whether you agree or disagree but I, at least I can get a handle yeah. on that I can't really get a handle it's, on it's, dangerous yeah. I can't either. So, so dangerous is, is, is the idea, right? So you can't write um, the law book to encapsulate everything that happens on the rugby pitch. So we write the law book in the best intentions. And then obviously the law of unintended consequence comes in there and we have the schmuzzle sometimes we have around laws and bits and pieces. And, and that's why countries will write edits to world rugby saying, can we question law? 9.11 and can we say what is dangerous but the idea is dangerous is if you do not attempt to rap so for example i could try and touch tackle jb who's clearly bigger than me being me being a schmurf and jb being more robust i've also got brilliant so, feet. so <laughs> you're with his big pecs so if i was to tackle you and i was to try and rap and you were to bounce me off I would failure to complete the rap, but it's not a penalty. But if I try and tackle you and I bounce you off and I don't try and complete the rap, that's a penalty. So the same action with one person being stronger than the other is can be a penalty and it cannot be a penalty. So there has to be that little middle ground. We live in the grey in rugby because we can't define every sort of contact that comes in a law book because the law book would be 150 million pages long and we just wouldn't get there. So dangerous is the way in which you try and complete a successful task under law so, so if I led with my shoulder and left my arms way behind and I smashed you with my shoulder using colloquialism a coaching term and then my arms came up after to try and wrap well I could be viewed as not being dangerous because my arms were wrapping after my shoulder but hmm. if you ran into me and I tried to hit you really hard and you ran into my shoulder and pushed me backwards doing the exact same tackle, and my arms came through when I did complete the tackle, it's not a dangerous tackle. Yes. So it's beholden onto the person who's going into the tackle. So the same action with success and failure could be seen as dangerous or not dangerous, and that has to be accepted. Yeah. And the overall... The overall um, I, I refereed a game here yesterday in Scotland, which was uh, a level seven game in England equivalent, Percher versus Last Wade. And I talked to the guys about my job is to get you to turn up on Monday safely. You know, I have to make sure everyone's safe. We're getting through this game safely. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be absolutely polaxed in a tackle, but it means I have to make sure everyone's behavior is that we're be 
being within the laws of what's described in the game. The agreed the agreed set of criteria right. between the two teams. So let's, and let's that's, just that's go a back. Good, that's a good place as anything mm. to start from. Let's just go back to your um, you, your point about dangerous because I completely agree with that. That's exactly how I interpret it, which is the you know the the dangerous play thing applies once a law has been broken. So not rapping is a great no one. potentially 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 because yeah. you can do the same thing being the aggressor in the tackle or being the subordinate in the tackle. Ah, yeah, yeah, but there's still there's still a law been broken. Not, but I haven't broken law. But there are times when we say, "Look, I'm sorry, we just got to." That's just too dangerous. Well, so the wrapping the tackle is a great one because that is you know you do have to wrap your arms by law. That is a law. Now you you're happy to waive that law if the guy not rapping has just been steamrolled, but yeah. you're not happy to waive that law if the guy who was not not rapping has absolutely clattered the guy with the ball. So, but that's an that's an agreed outcome between before you start. That's an agreed outcome between both teams. You say, look, if you are a dominant tackler, you have to wrap. You right. can't have the guy bounce yeah. off you. You have to hit him. If you want to hit him so hard that he's going to bounce off you, you need to make sure you bring him to ground safe. Yeah, and the wrap is actually the okay. you know the the vehicle we use as rugby players to make sure that you know you're not hitting that hard because you know if you do, he's going to bounce off you. You can't wrap. Yeah, penalty. like the, the best way for me to tackle a, a bigger guy would be to tuck my shoulder, my arm into my chest, and tuck my shoulder so I could, like in the NFL, so I yeah. could bowl him over. So, but when I when I open my arms, I become um, more fragile in the shoulders, so I'm probably not going to hit with the same tonnage as I would if I could tuck my arms so, in tight. So can you and give me an example? That's why we do it. That's why Rugby League and Rugby Union differentiate. Mm. So can you give me an example of um, dangerous play being, apply, being applied in a situation where no law has been broken? So with, the, you know, with, that, with that example that you give me there with the wrapping... That to me is a law breach, and therefore it could be dangerous. It couldn't be da- dangerous. So I, I think I think you're literally describing the best example. If yeah. which I'm not. If I was someone who could tackle and I could whack a guy really hard, colloquies and coaching term, and I hit him so hard deliberately, and I tried to wrap him at the same time, but I failed to wrap. But I deliberately hit him really hard on my shoulder. Well, I could consider that dangerous because I could have taken 10% off that to make sure I completed the wrap, which is the agreed way that we're going to play this game. Agreed. So if you whack someone so hard and I leave my hand 10 degrees lower than I needed to to make the wrap because I'm 10% stronger, well, if I'm penalised, as harsh as that may be, is to protect Everyone, all thirty, all thirty or forty-six players who are playing that day, or if it's local rugby, thirty or thirty-six, three subs, whatever it may be, that this is how we behave. If you now, it doesn't mean if I tackle someone and they bounce off me, I'm going to be penalised. Not at all, but it leaves me open to the referee's discretion. I love that, JP. Uh, what, you, yeah, yeah what, one of the things you've just what you've just done there is absolutely crystallise. And, and make me feel so much better about one of the things which I've sort of worried it could potentially go further too far with rugby of that kind of safety safety culture um, safetyism actually just penalising really hard play but actually I, I love what you're saying and the fact that a referee would set that out at the start 
hit the guy as hard as you want, but if you if you do that, make sure you're up. Be whiter than white on in yeah. terms of in terms of the laws, and then and then you'll give me no reason. So I, you know, I, I, think, I really like that. I think this that that law should be rewritten to say dangerous play occurs where a law has has been violated. Because no, I, you need to leave, you need to leave something. So my my dad always talked about if you were in the casino or if you were a paddy power and you win a bet, you want to make sure you don't try and take the house, right? Yeah. So you can whack people as hard as you want, but you can't have every single thing. You got to leave something for the referee. And as a referee, if I feel that JB is smashing Tim and I don't think that was a fair, I just don't think that was a safe thing to happen. And I don't think you completed every law I've asked of you. As you said, you broke, you've infractioned somewhere, but you've got to leave something for me to protect other. But people. the infraction has to exist. We've got to agree. Correct, yeah. correct. It can't yeah. just be if I like if I absolutely go in and lawnmower you and the knees and both your ACL goes. Courtney Laws on Jules Please style. That's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not my. You know. That's not the fault of the tackler that's yeah. just the way life goes mm-hmm. and we accept risk of sport jb you spoke to uh, mark evans before about the accepted risk of when you turn up for to play for your local side that you no matter what it told you you accept the risk of playing so your risk is that potentially in in 20 years of playing you might get one acl injury or pcl or, or ankle ligaments or whatever it is but you accept that risk yeah so we we all accept that what we don't accept is a player diving with his arm tucked at my knee that blows my knee out we do not accept that and that's why in the olden days you were sent off red card to stop your face being kicked in by the rest of the opposition <laughs> now you're sent off for infractions which is totally different yeah now, that's how that's how the now at local it. rugby Perthshire versus last wade you're only sent off if you're a complete am i allowed to say bell end yeah on absolutely you so you're only sent off if you're a complete bell end and you're only yellow card if, like, I ha- I think we had six penalties in the game, and that was That's a pretty, pretty dirty game by refereed. You know, it was a relatively dirty game, <laughs> but there's no chance of a yellow card. There's no chance of a red card unless someone does something so stupid. I have to red card him because the other fifteen guys are going to batter him. Okay, so let's just clear up some of the myths then. Um, leaving your feet in the tackle is not a law. Is it? There's a lot of speculation there is a law. Off your feet in the tackle. Now, there is off your feet lying down on the floor, which is which is a law, but not jumping. No, you can jump you can jump you can't jump out of a tackle, but you may jump into a tackle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's been done many, many times when someone's covering to like, yeah. like corner flagging to try and catch classic, a, catch if, a if winger. You remember, if you yeah. remember the famous George Gregan on exactly. Jeff Wilson tackles to, yes. win the, to win the Tri-Nations all those years ago, you, know, you can definitely jump into a tackle. There's no problem about that, but you can't jump out of a tackle. I, I'm astonished at no... Still, here's what I think. I was talking to um, a bunch of business bods in a lunch on Friday. And the subject of Emma Raducanu came up. And people are saying, what an amazing spectacle. I'm thinking, like, how much tennis do you, do you guys actually watch? But the point was, after not watching tennis, some of these guys for, like, 20, 20 years, 10 years, they turn on the TV, and what they saw was a game of tennis. And everyone 
to a man or a woman, understood the rules in front of them and they understood the game of tennis. What amazes me is how many people who watch rugby on a regular basis still don't get the rules. And to be fair, until I actually had to look look these rules up this weekend, I did not know laws, the, laws, laws, <laughs> laws of the game, rules, matter, rules, rules of competition, rules, rules of the competition, laws of the game. Don't yeah, let yeah, anyone yeah. ever correct you. But, it but, doesn't matter. But yeah. arguably, that, what, what you've just described, JB, is one of the, uh, the, the one of the rugby. barriers. The, the one of the cha- yeah. biggest challenge that rugby has, and again, you know, uh, who goes on Strictly Come Dancing? There'll be a load of, you know, I, I don't watch Strictly Come Dancing. My missus and my daughter do, but of course uh, you do. Of course you. Do. I, I watched an hour and a half liar. of Strictly You're just to get Ugo for ten minutes. You're an absolute liar. <laughs> but but I will be able to watch that, and even though I won't know the intricacies, I'll form opinions on. Oh, that was good. Oh, that wasn't as good. Oh, that was really good. That one, because um, there's. You can get, you can grab hold of, you can get a sense of what you're looking at. Rugby, that's the biggest barrier to rugby. Now we get that because we're we're inside. Well, it. I mean, yeah, we do, and we don't, and we also I mean, don't. We, we actually don't. To be fair, we do if you, we actually sit down and Google the laws, which is exactly what I did did this did this weekend. Uh, perfect, because of- perfect example of that, Tim, is if you're watching the Olympics and you're watching synchro diving off the platform and you start talking about, well, I don't think he tucked as well as he could have done. And, you know, the splash was too high. Having never watched, you know, you can watch equestrian three-day eventing and say, I don't think the horse is dancing well enough. (laughs) You know, that's that's what we do when we get into sport. We we start pontificating. And that's that's the best part of sport. But I, I think the problem with rugby is, like, even this season... We've got two new law variations. If you dipped out of rugby five years ago and came back today, you would be baffled what is going on. And it's, I can tell you from a broadcasting point of view, it's a, that, that's a really tough balance to get where you are, you're speaking on a level with people that are nauses like you and I, mm. but you're also being inclusive. And it's why sometimes um, people, like, people who watch rugby all the time get... like criticise like Channel 4 when they do a, a, a real obvious explanation of, of a law that they feel is talking down to them a little bit. That's that's just one of the big oh. challenges rugby's got when it's balancing, carrying the people it already has, but reaching out into new places. Yeah. Well, here, here's an example. I'm, I'm a rugby pick and I love rugby beyond belief. But the things I love about rugby are probably not as relevant as they were anymore. You know, I love, you know, my greatest thing I've ever seen in rugby is the Brian O'Driscoll 2001 break inside outside beats the fullback Joe Roth chasing across I just I just don't see those elements of rugby involved anymore I see cross field kick chips through Alex Lazowski off the right foot kicking it on the ground to another guy they're not things that are relevant to the rugby that I grew up and I know and you know that's where I find it all a little disappointing at the moment. I just I just think rugby's in a, 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 a trickier place than it's been in before. It's still a wonderful game, and you know locally it's still the same game it ever was. But I, I just I just don't I just don't find it the same game it was. It goes, and I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. I, I don't know. I, I believe it goes in cycles. You know, I we we saw the genius of Shane Williams, and there'll never be a, be another one of them until Chaston Colby shows up. You know, who's who's an identical player who shouldn't really, you know, he's a unicorn. He shouldn't really exist. You know, Faf would be another one that shouldn't really exist. And, you know, when the game goes too far in one direction, it almost always autocorrects. And I think one of the most dangerous things we can do 
is legislate to correct it ourselves. Just let the, let the boys get on with the game, and eventually it always also corrects. Well, I, no, I, I let the boys play. Yeah. Let the boys play. I disagree a little bit, and I would say you can. It's not about. Um, ripping anything up and starting again but I think you can incentivize because I'm with JP in the style of rugby what what I fell in love with first was the way that France played rugby classically in the well it's forever they've played like that um but the the offloading flooding through gaps the way that France played in the what that'd been late 80s early 90s just that's what I absolutely loved sorry the World Cup semi Oh yeah, that, that but, was uh, that was one that no, got me. No, but I um, my mum, one day when my mum had to work on a Saturday, and so me and my brother were, she just took us into the office, and we went to Woolworths, and she bought Rugby World Cup '87 video, and <laughs> I wa- I watched that video, and I wa- must have watched it hundreds of times since. But the game between France and Fiji in the '87 World Cup, just yeah, well, that's, that was- that's when I fell in love with rugby. France, France and Fiji 2003 was probably one of the all-time great oh, games. Oh my word, it wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, I just, I just, I just don't know the World Cup that's just been and went, and England got to the final and did brilliant, and actually played a, a wonderful semi-final. But I'm just, I don't remember big moments from that World Cup. That's an interesting. Point. I, I, I wish I did. I, I don't. I remember '91 and '95 and '03 and '07. I just don't really remember. And we remember from... Japan in 2015. Well, I mean, we. I didn't... was there. I was there. It was at my feet. This oh, of course it was. Yeah, oh yeah. my word. I, I was... I was cheering them all the way into the corner. <laughs> <laughs> wow! You know, is that is that the is, was that the greatest moment of your career? I I think the greatest squeal I've ever given was um, they came they flooded right they they had a penalty to kick um, three points to draw the game and they turned it down which was just to the left of the post and they chose a scrum and they went right off the scrum they played out and they did brilliant and then they. Uh, they had one or two hit backs and they were still on the far touchline. And as they came back, I could see it was a five on one or five on none. And it was very slow to develop. And the ball got to, I think it's, uh, help me with the name, Adamanki Maffey, the, the number eight. Yeah, Adamanki Maffey, yeah. Adamanki Maffey got the ball and he straightened and got tackled. And I was like, oh no, he's blown it. Oh Jesus, they had a four players outside and I was getting really Irish oh Jesus at the time and all of a sudden this Polynesian arm came out of the tackle and offloaded and it was a walk in from there and I was like wow that's amazing because the way that game went which people don't you know the story gets eulogized they were getting blown away in that game and South Africa kept switching off and Japan kept coming back and scoring tries and then South Africa would step up again and score but it was like, you know, when your kids on the street, next try wins, South Africa left it in that sort of precarious position. They scored a wonderful try off the scrum. There were two tries down and they scored a wonderful backline move. Uh, Goriamu, Moriam, Goriamu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scored, yeah scored a fullback try off a, a set play off a 10 meter line out, which I was the touch judge for. Beautiful, beautiful rugby try. Um, and then obviously scored the next try five minutes later. So they actually the upset never really occurred to anyone until the last try happened, which was, and I have other stories that I will, will leave for the, the autobiography after about John de Villiers and after the game being underneath the tunnel, it was, it was an incredible scenes. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that Japan game was, was particularly an unbelievable highlight of my oh, career. Yeah. I'm just, I love, I, I love hearing that. Because I, I watched, I, 
I had the opposite viewing experience of you. You were you were you were there, and I was at the time. I think it might have been the last game I did because I started on, uh, I started on BT Sport not long afterwards. But um, the I was the match announcer at Manchester City. Oh, you were, and, there, you? and there was a game on, and I so I was watching it on the on my phone. While I was nice doing the work for I was City. I was mildly concussed because the Carlisle second row absolutely lamped me, so that was that was good fun though. Wonderful memories. Uh, just on the on the law changes, which JB you mentioned, uh, JP you might have a a view on those. The fifty twenty two, the the t- the the goal line uh, dropout for held up over well, the line. I think the fifty twenty two was. Endeavor us and let's see how that goes. I, I'm not smart enough to know um, about that. But the fifty twenty two, um, again, I'm 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 not a very bright man. I don't really understand how that helps the game. It stops the Exeter pick and drive and all that. But what was great about Exeter was when the team started saying, "Right, we're going to stop you," they left loads of space out wide and yeah. Jack Noel and Short and all the. Um, um, Cuthbert and whoever else were scoring tries out wide because there was nobody out there. And I'm not the law of unintended consequence. It doesn't feel like that's perhaps um, the fairest outcome. I can understand 50-22, let's put the new law and let's take players out of the front line. But I'm not sure if if you're a team who doesn't want to play rugby, does that help you with that law? And if you're a team that are playing rugby and you're on the goal line, does is that law the the uh, look? There's been we're a game that changes our laws very often, and we have to take a breath, look at it, see how it goes. And what's been great about rugby is if it hasn't worked, they've changed it back. So the collapse mall law being a good example, um, they brought that in for a while, realised that wasn't a brilliant idea, and then changed it back. So perhaps this is something that might yeah, and it's also be around for a and while. There's also an element of fool's gold for it too, isn't there? Because you you saw Bristol this weekend chasing that fifty twenty two, and it just didn't work. Just didn't work. And it, you know, if you're too determined to get it, you lose. What, what do I say? Don't let the tax tail uh, wag the investment dog uh, in the IFA world. Don't let the fifty twenty two uh, tail wag the rugby dog. Carry on playing your your actual game plan. I think the most time the fifty twenty two will happen is a poor kick which just gets over halfway, which is returned immediately into the twenty two, which again is a great skill and and. Uh, ability, but I'm not sure it, it changes the dynamic of the game. I think the mm. 22 from the goal line changes the dynamic of the game. I think it'll lead to more. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how it'll, it'll outcome, but it's it. Look, it's not making me watch more rugby. That's for sure. No, no, and I, I completely agree with you there. Yet more law changes. The law change I'd make is no more law law changes for ten years, no matter what. There, well, that's not a terrible idea. JP, you've had some terrible, terrible ideas. I have not had a worst. single ter- terrible idea. Not one. <laughs> could a no-knock-on could a no oh, knock no on rule work? Here. I think what would be really interesting is if you knock on the ball and anyone from your team picks it up, it's an immediate penalty. I think that would... Because in... Amateur rugby, you see, when the ball's knocked on, everyone freezes and yeah, the other yeah. team always picks it up and there's always a line break on the back of it. Now, it's very hard to compare amateur rugby with professional rugby, but I would say if you knock on the ball, 
the the opposition get a free play at it. If you drop the ball and if you play at it at all, so a bit like, you know, the knock-on offside if you're ahead of the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teams, teams now know need to leave it alone. So if you knock on the ball at all, it's a penalty. You know, yeah. it's an immediate penalty. So everybody would be really careful so you'd have much more changeover as possession and you'd have that unstructured play. See what so that would, be, that would be the one law I'd love to see. I think that, that would be a really interesting that, law. That is, I think that's really interesting. And, and what JP has done there, JB, is he's taken your uh, he's taken your bare bones idea but he's made he's put it in a form that actually might be palatable well, to rugby fans uh, do you know what? i actually think they've almost got to a point of no knock-ons now which is as soon as the opposition team gets it they wave it away as advantage over and i think that's right actually what is the point of a scrum the point of a scrum is to give opposition give opposition the ball so, if the opposition so i've always the been scrum, the quickest to call advantage over because i believe if you have control of the ball it's the same as a scrum it's dropped in, so isn't it? Yeah. I, i'm not very good at refereeing scrums, so I'm going to call ref- advantage over because the big guys scare me and I'm going to get away from that. So advantage <laughs> over. I like that. And I also, the one thing that you always uh, you always have been particularly good at, exactly the advice is on the same point, the advantage, but it's times when um, they've got advantage, ball goes back to a 10, he does a kick that's really, but just a crap kick. Well, it's like tough, you had the chance. Yeah, exactly. You had the opportunity. Yeah, you 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 decided to take to use the advantage you had, and poor execution is not an excuse for. Yeah, it's, for, it's not for me, it was all, just the quality of the ball is all that's important. Yes. So I would say whether teams under pressure or not. So if if the scrum half's under pressure and he throws it to the guy under pressure, okay, if he if he spoons it, and that's where people get confused. Oh, this time he said this, and this time it's all about if you're under pressure or not, which goes back to referee prerogative. But that's the game we have. We can't have a grey game which is black and white we have to leave something in it leave something on the table for the dealer you know leave something for the ref yeah I completely agree right, I, I think we should put this into its own podcast no keep I know I'm keeping JP we need to we need to have a Phil like <laughs> presence on the, on the pod JB otherwise come on no I'm very happy to come on anytime you guys want me to pop on I'm, I'm doing fat goals so you're <laughs> I, uh, I love that you're your referee, what an absolute treat it must be for those for those guys at level seven in Scotland. How how, how have they responded? They give me terrible shit. What are you talking about? Tell me I'm crap. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're right. Who knows? No, it's good crack, and we have pints afterwards, and we have good fun. You know, we just enjoy life. And you know, what can I say? If they want me to referee higher, I'll referee higher. If they don't, I'll just do games. You know, I'm a rugby pig. You know, let's just enjoy life and not worry too much about, you know, what's done to who, when. Life's too short. Well, we'll not take up any more of your NFL red zone, <laughs> JP, um, or getting your no, stuff fine. ready for lessons and stuff tomorrow. Absolutely. And look, yeah, if we, you, um... yeah we, we, we've got we've got a lot of uh, maths and games tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know uh, the offer's always there, JP. If you want to referee some decent, de- decent rugby rather than that Scottish dross that you're doing, uh, Toc H is uh, you know always, all, always uh, willing to have you. I'd like to say you couldn't afford me, but like two beers and a pack of salt and crisps covers covers the match for me right now. <laughs> perfect, perfect. All right, mate. Well, take care, and I will chat right. with you soon. All right, thanks. Bye, bye. Top man, JP. What a guy. Indeed, is isn't he just? Isn't he just? Oh, and I feel the fill void has been filled as well. Uh, the, well, the, the filling is now complete. The, the filling is now complete. Yeah, there we go. Uh, no fill. Um, 
but he will be back next week, hopefully. Uh, for, we'll, we'll have to get a shipping container. To, in fact, shipping container would be the perfect thing for him to keep all his pre- all his prep 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 stuff in. All yes, his, exactly. All his rifles it, and tin foods. He could bury it underground. Yeah, he's, a, <laughs> he, he's an odd man. An, an odd man. Sorry, if I feel if it sounds a little bit like I'm um, not really. Yeah, with what are you it. what are you looking for? As soon as JP uh, left, JB got his phone out, and what are you doing? Well, I'm trying to find. I'm, I'm not googling David Duke. Because I don't want that on, on my. Oh, the, um, the, you went from earlier when you were talking about the Worcester condition. Yeah, have so, you found out his name yet? No, I haven't. I'm sure it's David. So I, that's what I'm, I was hoping I'd find it before the end of the. I can't believe how have I done this? How? It's all right. It's all right. It's not all right, though, is it? It's all good. It's not, it's not all right. It's, it's not okay. Right. It's fine. Right, I'm going to wrap up this, this page. Podcast. Been updated. What do you mean it's been updated? So Worcester don't even have their team page. Unbelievable. Senior squad, academy squad. That's it. Literally, this is Worcester's um, website. This is how what the, the, that's how they list their team. Worcester's website is a PDF spreadsheet. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But, PDF of a spreadsheet. Yeah. Oh well, that's not very good for the, a team with the amazing academy Wi-Fi. It's just that's all their bandwidth is being taken up. Must, with, uh, must be with what's going on in the academy house. Right, I'm wrapping this up. We're contacthedchasers at gmail.com if you want to email us. Uh, we are at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. He's at JB. More if you want to go and catch up with JB's to and fro's with uh, world-class referees on uh, the minutiae of decisions yeah. or anything else or on talk eight, videos of Tok H tries. And uh, Phil will be back next week. Uh, thank you very much to JP Doyle. We'll definitely have to get him on again. And thank you for listening. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.